Uh, last week, we started a new series kind of called Stay Positive. And that's uh, what we want to do is we stay positive. And last week, we looked through Romans chapter 8. And one of the reasons that we can stay positive is because, hey, listen, we've got a God who said, you know what? I'm going to work all things together for the good of those who love me and have been called according to my purpose. He said, if you live in the spirit, I'm going to give you strength that you need to, to get through. And I've said for really the last about eight weeks that this thing that we've been going through has been hard on me. I found myself getting very negative, found myself getting uh, depressed and, and anxious and worried over, over different things. And one of the things that I've noticed is that I've really started to uh, complain a lot. Um, and, and that's kind of, uh, that's different for me because I'm not a complainer. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, my kids would tell you, is from Philippians chapter two, verses 14 and 15. This says, do everything without complaining or arguing. Um, and, and then it says, if you do that, what's gonna happen is you're gonna shine like stars in this crooked world. Like you're, you're gonna shine. But I've been com- complaining over and over and over again about different things. And what I realized is that, that what I need to do in order to, to stop that mindset or that attitude is I need to start showing gratitude. It's like, I need to start being appreciative of what I have. And so I started a couple of weeks ago as I was thinking about this series and this sermon, making a list of some of the things that I'm grateful for. Um, and one of them is right here, it's Jennifer. Um, she has been amazing for 25 years. Um, as, as a, she's the best minister's wife you will ever meet. Um, and you guys, you see me up here a lot and I do the right thing usually when people are watching. Uh, she does it all the time. I mean, like she does, she is, that, she is that kind of woman. Like she just does it um, all of the time. And I'm thankful for that. She's usually the, the butt end of most of my jokes up here. Um, and she takes a lot. Um, but, but today I just wanna say something good about her, that, that I appreciate her and I'm thankful uh, for her. Um, and I was thinking of some of the things that I, I added to my list was I'm thankful for uh, you guys that, that come and show up every week, whether you're here, whether you're watching online. Because uh, it is the greatest privilege of, of my life to be able to, to teach and to preach uh, the word of God. Um, and uh, one of my biggest fears is I'm gonna show up one Sunday and no one's going to be here. Like, it's gonna be me. I got that, we figured him out. Like, we're, like, um, but, but also, and, and along those lines, I was thinking about the leadership here, the, the current leadership that we have, uh, phenomenal guys, the staff that we have, but also leaders of the past. And many of them are here this morning with Ron and, and Larry and, and Don Gilbert. They've been elders here um, in the past for years. They helped to get us to, to the place that, that we are today. And I was thinking back even uh, earlier this week before that, as Todd was cleaning out some, some stuff in the, the room, he found an old book and it's sitting over here with pictures of when they built this building and, and what was here and, and leaders that, that came before that. And in the book, there's a letter and it doesn't say who wrote it and it wasn't dated or anything. Um, but one of the leaders there as he was communicating to the church said, you know, it's human to, to wanna stick to the old or, or to like the old ways. But, but God's bringing something new. And I, and I don't know who wrote that and a new building. So I'm grateful for people who 35 years ago said, you know what, we, we need a, a, another building. We need to, to, to build this. Because I'm sure it wasn't I'm sure there were people that said, hey, you know what, we need to keep the old building. Let's just dump some money into this and fix it up and, and do. But some leaders uh, in this church, in this area said, hey, you know what, we, we need to do something new. And, and I'm thankful uh, for that. Um, this guy up here, um, I'm thankful for him. Um, that's Charlie. Uh, Charlie um, Hammer Buyer, they call him. And as a kid growing up, he was, he was at, at my church. He wasn't a leader. Like I, I'd never heard Charlie do a communion meditation. Um, he wasn't an elder. He wasn't a deacon. He, he was there every week and, and he was happy. And, and when I was about nine or 10, so 35 years ago, uh, I thought Charlie was the old man at church. 
Well, Charlie died uh, just this past, or about a week and a half ago now. Um, and I was reading the obituary and I thought, 87? Like 35 years ago, I thought he was 87. Um, so, um, but, but one thing, I'm thankful for Charlie. Why? Because every single week uh, that I would go into church at nine or 10 years old, Charlie, but he was happy to see me there. And every kid, and I said, I went to the visitation the other night. Uh, Friday night and saw a bunch of people my age who, who showed up to that and, and who Charlie probably ever never even knew that he had an impact on but we loved going to church because of people like Charlie or people like uh, uh, Norman or Paul or, or Ralph and, and I can name all of these names that they, they were so significant just by showing up at church every single week and being happy to be there you know one of Charlie's sons got up and spoke at the funeral Saturday and he said I never heard my dad say a negative thing about this church. Son was 60 years old. That church, and let's tell you a little bit about it, it's one I grew up in. Uh, when I was real young, they, there were about 70, 80 people that went there. They grew to about 150 and built a new building and uh, got rid of the old sanctuary. Um, and, and then they went back down to about 80 and then they went up to 300 and then they went back down to 100 and then they went up to 750. And now they're back down to 80. And but, but to hear Charlie say, or hear his son say, Charlie never said a bad thing about this church. You imagine, like he had to have some bad things to say about that church going through all of that. But it's amazing, but, but his kids all love to go to church. And so, so one of the words of encouragement I wanna give some of, some of our older folks and me now, looking back, is that be happy to be here. Like it affects the people that, that see you every single week when, when you are in there and you're saying, hey, I'm glad you're here today or hey, enjoy children's church. Hey, that, but listen, when, when you're talking bad and negative about the church and we wonder why our kids and grandkids don't wanna come to church it's because you've been miserable for 65 years. Why would they wanna put themselves through that? But I'm thankful for people like Charlie who, who impacted me. I'm thankful this morning, that news for uh, Riley. I'm gonna ask Riley to stand up for a minute. I know he, he's not prepared for this. But, but young men like Riley, who is going off to the military today, who are willing to sacrifice, yeah. And it's a, it's a, stand for a minute. It's a sacrifice for him, it's a sacrifice for his parents as, as well, and, and even his sister, Mike and Carrie, and, and Destiny. I got a kid going off to college, um, a nice, safe Bible college in Ozark, and it's driving me nuts. I can't imagine having a kid that's going off into to the military. So I'm gonna ask all of you to stand, and I just as a church wanna pray uh, for you guys uh, this morning. <clears throat> Father God, we uh, come to you uh, today, God, thankful for all of the things, the blessings, the, um, all of the things that you've done in our life. Father, so often we, we don't stop and give thanks uh, to you for all of those things. Um, but right now, specifically, I want to just thank you for Riley, for the, the sacrifice and the, the attitude of service that he has joining uh, the military. Father, I pray that as he ships off today, that you would watch over him, that you would protect him. Father, I pray for, for Mike and for Carrie and for Destiny, um, as well as they are uh, turning over their son to, to really to the government. And, and he's going to has experienced so many things. Father, I pray that you would give them peace and comfort. I pray that your spirit would surround them um, in ways, God, that, that they've never experienced before. And that even in the midst of a, a tough decision and uh, the, the midst of the, of the uncertainty 
of really of our world right now and what's going on. Father, I pray that they would have a calm assurance that you are in control uh, of all things. And so, Father, we're thankful today for, for Riley, and again, we pray you'd bless him. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You can be seated. You know, we talk about that generation um, particularly, and even a little bit older, like we've labeled them as the entitlement generation. Like those who feel like, hey, the, everyone owes us and we deserve more. And, and now before those of us who are older say, yeah, that's right, they are. They're such an, an ungrateful, entitled generation. We've got to understand who caused that. That's our fault. We've created that by our actions and our, and our attitudes, uh, a generation that feels very entitled. And how did we do that? Well, many different ways, really. One thing is, is, is kind of my age and older, like most of us as parents, like we worked uh, way too mo- often. Like we did. And one of the things that, that we did to, to try to make up for, for our lack of time and our lack of being in there is that we thought, well, we'll just buy them anything they want. Like, so, so they grew up never hearing the word no. Because we felt guilty, we felt uh, like, like we weren't there. Like, hey, you can have this and you can have that. I'll make more money and I'll give you more things. So this generation just kind of felt like, hey, if we want it, we're going to get it. Uh, another way is that we also, we've protected this upcoming generation. Like when I was a kid, you could ride in the back of a pickup truck with 18 of your friends. Like anybody remember that? Yeah, nowadays, you got to be buckled in with 43 different straps. Totally protect. You can't even ride a bicycle without a helmet anymore. Because we're going to protect this upcoming generation. And then it goes back, like when I was a kid, like you actually had to win something to, to get a trophy or a ribbon. Like how many remember that? You had to win. Yeah, now? Like you just have to show up. Like you know, hey, uh, Johnny, you were last, but you ran so slow. Um, and you were, we're so proud of you. Here's a ribbon. Like, congratulations for being last place crazy and what it's done it's been a generation it's built a generation of people who just feel entitled and it's not just them it's me it's us and what I want to do is I want to to talk about the opposite really of of entitlement or complaining this morning and it's that forgotten virtue of gratitude Um, could everybody just say gratitude with me gratitude and let's look at what the bible says a very interesting story about some people who looked entitled and they didn't stop to show gratitude. It's in Luke chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 11. I'm gonna look at a story about Jesus. And the Bible says this, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him at a distance. uh, And they stood at a distance and said, and cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now, let me pause right there just to give you a little bit of context so you understand. A leper um, had a, a, that's one of the most uh, painful diseases that you could ever imagine. Um, and, and it started off with, with sores. You've seen uh, probably some pictures of sores um, and, and the oozing sores of it. Uh, we got uh, the, the account of Job who, who, when he got this kind of skin disease, that he scratched so hard that he is with a jar that his skin was beginning to fall off. And the sickness then would actually move and begin to affect their nerve endings. And so they would lose all of the feelings in their numbs. So they might wake up and a rat would have gnawed off like a pinky finger or something. And they wouldn't have even known in the night because the nerve endings were so damaged. And that was common. But that wasn't, just the, that wasn't really the worst of it. He had the physical pain and, and the nerve damage. 
But according to Leviticus 13, whenever that they would see anyone else, like they had to, to scream, of this, unclean, unclean. I think that's coming with the coronavirus next. If you get it, you're going to have to just start shouting unclean, like unclean. Like, but, but they're warning people, hey, get out of the way, get away from us. So it was very humiliating. These people were, were not only physically hurting, but now can you imagine the, the, the emotional pain, like to have no relationships? Like we've been quarantined for a couple of weeks and most of us have still gotten out. Like can you imagine though your whole life after you get this disease, having to say for years and years, like hey, get away from me, you can't be near me. You can't be close to me. Like imagine how, how depressed they had to get to have no intimacy, not to have been hugged or touched for years and years. And so these 10 guys, they see across the street, they see Jesus coming in. And, and this man, he's been rumored to heal people. I, I heard that he's healed other lepers. I've heard that he's made blind people see. I've heard that he's made lame people walk. Could you imagine the excitement? Hey, Jesus, please help me. Help me. Like, I mean, this could be the greatest moment of my life. If he would hear me, if he would heal me, this could be the miracle of all miracles. And so they cry out. And the next verse says this, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Miracle, healed, all 10 of them, the disease gone. Like their greatest dream, their most outlandish, outlandish request was granted to them. And then verse 15 says something surprising. It says one of them, one of them when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Like Jesus is almost dumbfounded, if Jesus could be dumbfounded. You are begging you were crying out. You were in deep distress. Your life was basically nothing. Like you were just going to kind of survive out the rest of your days alone. Like you cried out and God sent me. And I did this miracle of all miracles and where did you go? Like what are you doing? And you've got to admit, the nine, they probably weren't bad people. Like they were probably just thinking, hey, I want to go home and tell my wife. I want to see my family. I mean, it, this is like, I didn't ask for leprosy. I didn't want to get it in the first place. Like, I didn't deserve it. Like I, I had this healing coming to me, didn't I? I mean, this is what should have happened. And most of them, they just probably slipped into this entitlement mindset, but only one of them came back to thank God for his blessing. And my question to you is this, really, will you be the one? Will you be the one to live with a grateful mindset? Because honestly, the, the, the odds are stacked against you. Will you be the one? Think about it. Will you be the one that daily pauses and gives glory and honor to the one who gave you life? Will you be the one to stop in all of the busyness and lift up a true heartfelt worship to the creator and the sustainer of your life? Will you be the one to give praise and honor and worship to, to the one who looked at us as sinners and said, you know what, I'm gonna send my son Jesus Christ to do something for them that they could never do for themselves?
Because see, most of the time, and what I've learned is the longer that I follow Christ, the harder it is for me to remember what he really saved me from, the, the life that, that I have. Will you be the one, and listen, and not just with God, but let's think about the people that impacted you. Will you be the one that stops long enough to write a thank you note to, to express gratitude to someone who impacted you? You know, I, I, I was the one, like as a priest's sermon, like Charlie's family, most of them didn't even remember me. But you know, I'm gonna take my time, I'm gonna drive back to Cincinnati to go uh, to this man's funeral and visitation because he impacted me. I wanted to be the one. Will you be the one today who says uh, to those who, who have ministered to your children uh, faithfully, hey, thank you for investing in my kids. Thank you for serving me and my family. Will you be the one to, to thank a coach or a teacher, um, your mom or your dad maybe, or, or maybe even your pastors? Will you be the one to stop and show honor and gratitude and, and, and gratefulness to them? Or will you be like most people and say, you know what, I think I got it coming to me. I don't have time to stop and say thank you. Will you be the one? Because listen, it's 90%. 90% walk away and never thank them. It's only 10%. Or you continue to live with an ungrateful mindset. You may say, yeah, you know, I, I'm not ungrateful. Like, I'm generally a grateful person. And that's what I like to think too. But honestly, as I examine my life over the last couple of weeks and just the way that I live, like, I realize that I'm incredibly ungrateful. I have this incredible attitude of, of ingratitude. Like, and I'm so often ungrateful in, in so many different ways. And I just want to show you quickly an interesting story from the New Testament. Um, that Jesus told a story about a guy, he had two sons. Most of you have probably heard this story uh, before. He had a younger son and an older son. And you can see an ungrateful mindset in, in both of them. Let me just give you two quick phrases if you're taking notes to write this down. The first ungrateful mindset is this, I want it now. I, I want it now. You know, I was in, in a drive-thru just the other day at, at Arby's. I love their cheese sticks, by the way. And it was slow, as always. If you've ever been through Arby's drive-thru, you're like, it's the slowest one. So I know that. But I was asked to pull over um, and so they could bring my food out to me. And so I started getting impatient. Like, and I'm tapping on the wheel thinking, like, this is taking way too long. And, and I'm just, I, I got this sermon that I'm writing on gratitude. Like, I really need to get to working on this. And, and then it hit me. Hey, Dummy, somebody else is making your food. It's gonna be hot and it's gonna be good and they're gonna walk it out to your car all in less than 10 minutes. And yet I've been so conditioned to say, I deserve it now, I want it now, I shouldn't have to wait for it. And you can see that same attitude in the younger son in the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, verse 11, the Bible says this, there was one man, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. I want it now. And if you know, traditionally, you receive your inheritance after someone dies. But this guy says, hey, I want it now. I want to go on with my life. I don't want, to, I don't want your rules. I don't want to wait. I want to have it now. So the father, for whatever reason, like I don't know why, he gives it to the son. And if you know the story, the Bible says that, that he went out and he squandered it all. He wasted it. He blew it all. He hired women. He threw big keg parties. He lived wild. And what took the father perhaps years and decades to, to accumulate, the ungrateful son totally wasted it in a matter of weeks or months. I want it now. 
And what's interesting to me is that the upcoming generation really has this I want it now mindset. You see people in their 20s uh, who, who really feel like they deserve to live at the same standards as their parents live at now, who have spent 40 years, 50 years gaining what they have. Like I want the same kind of home, I want to drive the same kind of car, I want to take the same kind of vacation. I'm 23, I'm 25, I'm 28, or whatever it is, but I want to live at the same standards or better than my parents are living now. Well, shame on that generation. Where do you think they learned it from? They learned it from parents who thought, if I want it now, I'm gonna go get it. This I want it now mindset. The second thing is this, we feel like I deserve more. And that was the older brother. Like the younger brother, he goes off and he blows all of the, the inheritance and then one day he wakes up and goes, hey, that was stupid. Like this, where I'm at now, I don't like to be. Uh, I know that, that in my dad's house, servants are better than I am. So I'm just gonna go back and ask him if I can have a job and see if he'll pay me and just beg. So when he gets back, the, the father, who's a picture of the heavenly father, he's waiting on him and he sees him and he goes running out to him. Thank God my, my son is back. He throws him a big party. He gives him a robe and a ring and he kills the calf and he says steak for everybody. So he throws this, this, this great big party and the big brother starts having a pity party. You know, he's outside going, wait a minute. I've never broken the rules and nobody's did that for me. I deserve, I deserve that and more. Like I, I deserve that and more. And here's how the story plays out in Luke 15, 29. The older son says this, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Someone owes me. I deserve more than this. I deserve more, dad. Look, look how good I've been. And here's what we see so often. I deserve a better paying job. If I can't get a better paying job, I just don't wanna work. I'd rather do nothing than not have the job I deserve. Or I deserve these benefits, or I deserve this vacation. I mean, it's crazy. You literally have 10-year-olds who feel like they're being punished because they don't have a good enough cell phone. Like, come on, 10 years old, I want a better one. I can't do the internet on my cell phone. I deserve more. I'm entitled to this. I deserve more. Where did they learn that from? Like from my generation. Honestly, I deserve this kind of vacation. If I can't have it, I'll just charge it. I deserve this kind of house. I'm worth it. I deserve it, right? An ungrateful mindset. Like one of the nine, but not the one. So I want to do this for a minute. I want to take a moment and just kind of, I want you to sit back and I want you to, to think and I want you to see what God would say to us about any ungratefulness in our hearts. And what I wanna do is I wanna break it down into just three sections. I could have done more. But I just want you to be really, really honest and see if God would expose to you any ungratefulness and let's just deal with it biblically and severely this morning. The first one is this, if you're taking notes. Let, let, let's ask God to expose any material or financial ungratefulness in, in our life. Just look around or think. Like maybe I'm dissatisfied with my TV it's not good enough. I really can't be happy unless I have the right TV or it could be your house. You know, we don't have the right kind of countertops or, you know, we, we can't have another kid because then they'd have to share a room and you, there's no way you can raise a godly kid if they have to share bedrooms. It just wouldn't be right. Like, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I have, I walk into my closet that is full of clothes and I look at it and go, I have nothing to wear. I've got nothing to wear. 
Like, is that crazy or what? You know what the funniest thing about all that is? Is you know who picked it all out for me? Me. And what I'm saying, like in this whole closet, I don't have anything to wear. Out of all of the different things, like I have nothing to wear. And listen, I've been to places where people really can say I've got nothing to wear. And when they say that, you know what? You see a butt too, because they really have nothing to wear. And yet in my closet full of things, I'm going, I have nothing to wear. Because I don't like my clothes. I don't like my car. I've heard people say, well, my car's three years old. My car's five years old. I don't have heated seats. I can't plug my iPod in. I mean, I need to go into debt so that I can plug my iPod in. Like, I don't have windows with a little push button. Think about it. I really wish I had more money. I really wish I had a better job. I really wish I could provide more for my kids. I really wish we could take better vacations. I really wish, like, if that's you, just call it what it is and check that box right now. Like, I am materially and financially ungrateful. The next thing would be this relational ungratefulness. It could be that you're sick and tired of of your parents uh, being in your business. Maybe it's my parents don't do this or they don't do that or or fill in the blank. Or it could be, you know what, my husband, like I wish he were whatever. I wish he had a better job. I wish he, he made more money. I wish he was a spiritual leader. I wish he could fix things around the house. He's just not. Or maybe it's, it's my wife. Uh, I wish she was just more fun. I wish she was more this. I wish she was more romantically involved. Uh, I mean, I wish that, that she wasn't with her friends all the time and she was with me. I wish she'd make more food around the house. I, I wish she had a better paying job, whatever it is. I'm not happy because I don't have a girlfriend. I wish I had a boyfriend like everybody else. Um, or I wish my boyfriend had a job. Like, you know, it, it's on and on and on. My friends, they're not Christian friends. Like if you're relationally ungrateful, go ahead and check that one and say, yeah, that's me. Just be honest. Third thing would be circumstantial ungratefulness. Like I'm not, I'm not I really don't like my job. I don't like my hair. I don't like my lack of hair. I don't get the breaks. Um, call it what it is and put it down. And let's do this. What, what we need to do for the rest of our time is I just want to cultivate an attitude of, of gratitude. How do we do that? How do we go from being entitled to being grateful. And here's how we do it. We've got to decide to turn blessings into praise. That we've, we've got to understand how blessed we've been. And one of the ways that I started doing that, I told you I started making a list of things that, that I'm grateful for. You know, there's a line, a verse in a song that says, every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And, and I would sing that for you, but like no one would give God praise for that, so I won't. But every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. And why is that so important? Here's why. Because every blessing I don't turn back to praise turns into pride. I deserve this. I've earned this. This is, this is my right. Every blessing that I don't turn back into praise turns into pride. Every blessing. Listen, every good thing comes from God. The Bible says that God is the giver of all good gifts. And I want to look at things, I want to pause and give God praise and honor and give him the credit for it. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. He said this, I've learned to be content in in any and every situation. He says, I know what it is to, to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. 
I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. He says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He says, whatever the situation, if I'm healthy, if I'm not, if I've got a lot of money, if I don't, if I like my job, if I don't, if I've got a a lot of hair or I don't, whatever. I've learned what it is to, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. He says, again, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Listen, it's something you learn. Something that you have to work at. It's a mindset. You train your mind, you train your heart, you train your, your attitude, your spirit. You learn what the secret is. And then he says this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I remember Zach talked about that not too long ago. That that, that verse, we, we like to use it out of context. I can do all things. I can slam dunk a basketball through Christ. No. What's he talking about? Being content in any and every circumstance. That Christ will give me the strength to do that. Because listen, by nature, most of us are not grateful. By nature, we're not. We're sinners. By nature, I'm not content. Sometimes people say, well, you're a pastor. Yeah, I'm a person too. The Proverbs says, better what the eye sees than the roving of an appetite. You know what, the next time you say, I'm sick of my car, instead get a different perspective. Listen, thank God that you have a car. That you're, you're in the top three to 5% of the wealthiest people in all of the world if you have transportation. My house is always a mess. And God, I thank you that, that I'm blessed with a family and with friends that come in and enjoy my house and mess it up. Or, or my house is, is too small. Actually, God, hey, thank you that I've got a toilet and I've got air conditioning and I've got a heater and I've got running water in this house. I'm thankful, God, for the blessings that you've given me. Well, I don't really like my job or the people I work with or or whatever. God, I'm thankful in a world where so many people right now are searching for jobs that you've given me a job. Well, I don't like this body. God, listen, God, I thank you that I'm healthy and I have this day. Listen, and thank you not just for material things, God, thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you took a person who deserved. Listen, you want to know what I deserve or what I'm entitled to? Just honestly. All my rights, what I deserve, what I'm entitled to is hell. Same as you. For the wages of sin is death. Separation from God. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only thing that every one of us are entitled to is to suffer an eternal separation from God you know what? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. God, thank you that you did something for me that I never ever deserved. God, thank you for giving me and for transforming this person that I am. God, thank you for all of the good blessings that you've sent me in my life. So today, the question is very simple. Will you be the one?